Glad to have the Johnsons here today. Glad y'all are with us today. This is Josh's mom and dad. We always love when y'all come in from East Tennessee. Uh, I've got a love for East Tennessee now. I got a boy going to college over there, so uh, there you go. Well, we are right now in our third um, installment of uh, our message series called Fresh Start. Everybody say Fresh Start. And uh, I read a scripture last Sunday, and uh, I got to be honest, I try to keep the, I try to keep both services, the message, as close to the other as I can. But I got to be honest, I, I kind of went in at 9 o'clock last week, all right? And then at 11 o'clock, I went in on other areas, and so they didn't quite end at the same time. So today, I'm going to, excuse me, I'm going to reiterate a couple of things that I hit last week at the very end that I think are very important for us to get, mainly because I had some of you calling and asking or texting an email and saying, hey, I didn't get those quotes. You're going really fast at the end. So we're going to reiterate just a little bit today. Turn to the book of Isaiah 43. Uh, it's going to be on the screens as well today. Isaiah 43, verse number 18. Before we read it, though, I want to ask you a question. I know we're at the end of January. First of all, can you all believe that? Good Lord, the end of January. I feel like it was just January 2016, you know. Now we're already at the end of January. I know we're at the end of January, but i got to ask this question. How many of you are still ready for something new? You ready? Still ready. All right, good. I want to make sure we're still on this message series together, okay? Isaiah 43. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Everybody say a new thing. And now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. For those of you that are ready for something new, this is a powerful scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I want you to see that. Leave that scripture up. In Christ, over 85 times in the New Testament, it talks about being in Christ. For those of you that are believers, that are living the Christian life, but you don't feel like you fully stepped into the abundance that Jesus Christ has for you, let me tell you the difference in someone that loves Jesus, is following Jesus, and someone that is living in the Spirit those that are living abundantly and in freedom. How many of you know there's a difference in those two, right? The difference is this. Believers have Christ in them. People that move into abundance get into Christ. I'm going to say it again. Believers, you invite Christ into you. But a believer that is living in freedom and abundance is someone that is not satisfied with just having Christ in them, but they want to step into Christ. They want to take on a new identity. They want, to, they want to be enveloped by him, covered up by him. Everything that they, when they look out, they're seeing through him. When they hear things coming in, they're hearing through him, right? Yeah. There is a big difference in that. Matter of fact, write that down for me, Kristen and Casey. We're going to do a series at some point about the difference in, in having Christ in you and being in Christ, all right? Would y'all like that? Yeah. No, the rest of you, just this, I got this section right here. Y'all good with that? It doesn't matter because I'm going to do it if we want to do it, all right? So here we go. All right. In Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. I want to encourage you this year to get in him. Get into him. 
Get more of the Holy Spirit in you and on you. Get more of the Word surrounding you. Man, I'm going to tell you what I love today. I love today that Josh said a scripture, and Josh said out loud, He is faithful to those who are faithful to them. How many of y'all read that this week in your, in your one-year Bible? Raise your hand. Yeah, if you're reading the one-year Bible, you read it this week. See, I love that. It just starts coming out of you. It changes the way you talk. It changes the way you think. Get into the Word, and you're going to find yourself getting more into Christ. How many want that kind of life? A new creation, not just living with Christian values, but living in Christ. Huge difference. That's how you become a new creation. And the promise is for everybody. If you just get into Christ, then you become a new creation. Now, we want that. We believe that. We pray for it. But now look at the second part of that. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Again, I love the new, but the Scripture very clearly states, for the new to come, the old has got to go. One of the statements I said last week that I want to reiterate today, and you can write it down, you can tweet it, you can tattoo it. It's important, all right? You cannot walk in new life while living the old. It is impossible to walk in new life while living in the old. That's why we talked several weeks ago about consecration, about confessing your sins, about repentance, meaning not just to say I'm sorry, but it means to turn away, walk a complete opposite, just gone that way. You can't walk alongside your old life and slowly get away from it. It's got to be this, I am done with this, I'm heading back this way. That is what has to happen. We have to drop the old, and some of you, the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you about that. Some of you that gave up some things during this 21 days of of prayer. By the way, come on, how many are excited that 21 days is over, amen? Yeah, amen. We're going to eat cake tonight, yes, sir. By the way, I forgot to mention that. It was in my notes. I got so excited about preaching. Tonight, we're doing all-in worship, and I want everybody back tonight, all right? It's going to be different than Sunday morning. It's going to be a time of extended worship. We're going to be praying over people. We're going to be believing for healings and deliverances and God doing a work in your life. So I want you to be back. There will be child care, okay? So I want you to come back at 530, all right? There ain't no football games on anyway, so just go. None that matter, all right? So just go. Get you a little nap, and then come back. We're going to have a good time, all right? All in, all in worship. I don't know how I just got, how that made me want to walk into that. I have no idea. All right, well, we won't even try to figure that one out, okay? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Some of you, during this time of 21 days, when you laid some things down, you realized you didn't need those things anymore. So why just stop it for 21 days? Why not let it be a lifestyle for you? I'm not talking about food now, okay? Don't be. Why not let it be a lifestyle for you where you just say, you know what? So the Bible says lay down every sin. We all got sins we need to lay down. Lay it down and walk the other way. But many of us have weights, things that we don't consider a sin, but it's a weight in our life. Let's lay the weights down and let's walk the other way. Part of us has to die before new life can come. You just have to lay it down. We talk a lot about the abundance part of God. 
But I think we forget that he said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. You've got to take up a cross. It's not going to be easy. This world's going to have, there's going to be tribulation. They're going to come at you. They're going to disagree with you. They're going to hate you. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But there's got to be a part of us that believes that, that is willing to lay down our sin, lay down our weight, lay down our treasure, lay down our talent, lay it all down, and begin to walk the other way. So write this one down. Before the old can go, the old way of thinking has to go. So before the new can come, the old has to go. But before the old can go, the old way of thinking has to go. Our text said it. Isaiah 43, 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. He said, don't even begin to go back. Don't even remember them. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. I press. I move forward. But there's got to be this moment that you say, I'm going to disregard this part of my life. And I'm going to tell you, that is the hardest thing to do. It sounds simple, but it's the hardest thing to do. And the enemy knows that, which is why it keeps bringing it back up in your face. Amen? Just right when you think you've gotten over it, here it comes back again. There comes that feeling. There comes that song. There comes that text. There comes that, and everything is coming back up again. But the scripture says, don't remember them. Now, you and I both know there's no way you can just not forget it. But that word remember means this, that you don't even regard it. Like, when you remember it, you don't regard it. Like, you don't give it a place or a voice in your life anymore. When that thing, the Bible says you take thought, you take captive every thought that comes in it. You grab it, you say, knock, tie it up, bind it up, and chunk it into a jail cell. Not going to have that. So don't consider it. Don't, don't dwell on it. So first of all, that's the bad. If you're taking notes, write that down. Don't, don't. Think about, don't remember the bad. We said this last week, and I think this is a great quote. Don't let the pains of the past bring fears for your future. Because a lot of us, when God begins to move us into something new, that old way of thinking starts happening, and we start going back to go, well, I tried that before, and this is what happened. I trusted before, and this is what happened. And remember last week what we said, a cat that sits on a hot stove won't sit on another hot stove, but it won't sit on a cold stove either because it just doesn't trust stoves anymore, right? Some of you that have been hurt by church, hurt by people, some of you that have tried and trusted and yet it hasn't worked out for you, let me just say something. Don't let the pains of your past inhibit you from stepping into the future that God has for you. As God begins to move, come on, this is good preaching, even at 9 o'clock today. As God begins to try to push you or draw you into something new, you cannot, we cannot carry an old way of thinking into that new way of living. It just can't happen. So you got to let those pains, matter of fact, The best thing that I would say for you to do, and this is something that Kristen has learned over the past several years, and and it's been amazing how she's been able to to download that into my life. The best thing for you to do is instead of hiding that pain from God, hand it to God. Write that one down. Instead of hiding it from God, hand it to God. We try to hide, well, I'm, I'm... I've got pain here, I've got doubt here, I've got unbelief here, I've got darkness here. I'm going to hide that from God. Don't hide it, hand it to Him. 
God loves coming into the brokenness. God loves moving in the incomplete. God loves, how many of you, Jesus found you when you were perfect? No, he found you when you were in the middle of your sin. And for some reason, we think that's true, but only at salvation. But after you become a believer, you got to hide everything from him. No, you don't. Don't hide it, hand it. So instead of, instead of allowing this pain to keep you back, take the pain, hand it to God, and what you'll find is your pain has been preparing you for your future. That's what you'll find. The worst things in your life become the stage that you stand on and declare the glory of God. One of our dear friends says, whatever you overcome becomes your platform. You stand on that. Let your test become your testimony. That thing that you struggle with, the thing that you fight with, hand that over to God. Let me say something else. First of all, don't let the pain of the past bring fears for the future. Next, what has happened does not have to happen. That's important because we think, well, it's happened once. It's going to happen again. It's kind of the here we go again attitude. How many of y'all know somebody like that? How many are somebody like that? You know, you start seeing, well, it's a new season. Yeah, 2017. Okay, here we go again. Guess we'll go through this year again and see what happens. It's like this Eeyore thing, like, okay, why does this keep happening to me? Let me tell you why. Because you keep expecting it to happen to you. You walk into relationships just fully expecting it to happen again. Wake up in the morning fully expected to fail like you did yesterday. Walk into a new opportunity fully expecting it to end up the way that it ended up Let's just say it doesn't work out. Wouldn't you rather be surprised by that than just expecting it to happen the whole time? Come on, I need a good amen from my amenners today. How about my non-amenners? Can y'all muster up one this morning? Come on, help me out. The bad, you get that old way of thinking, that stinking way of thinking has to be put down. But also, it's not just the bad, but it's the good. Don't consider the former things. Don't remember them. Don't consider them. We said this last week. You cannot do new work with old blueprints. It doesn't work. And many of us get stuck and stalemated because we go back to what worked before. But what has always worked will not always work. We run back and go, well, this is what I did in this situation. This is how that worked out. Or, man, this is, and we go back to what we're good at. Or Some of you use your personality. Some of you use your good looks. Or some of you use both at the same time. That's unfair, okay? I'm just telling you. If you've got a good personality and good looking. Some of you use, use your brilliance, your talent, your giftings, your anointing, your strength, right? How many of you got something you use? You know, how many got your go-to? Raise your hand if you got your go-to. Come on, how many got your go-to? You know, I know what I can do. Well, I can do that right there. If, I, if all else fails, I'll run to that one. Well, when you're moving into a new season, you can't go back to those old blueprints because God wants to start from the ground up. We cannot think the way we thought and expect to see new things happen in our life. You can't think the way you thought 
and expect new things to happen in your life. Everybody say fresh start. And the reason that the thinking has to change is because that's how we are changed. Say that with me. The reason our thinking has to change is because that's the way we are changed. I don't think I like this church. He's a positive preacher. He's a positive thinking preacher. I don't think I like him very much. I'm against it. I'm against that. Well, let me quote some scripture so you get back with me, okay? Romans 12 and 2. Don't copy the behavior and the custom of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So for some of you, you think you've got to go through the 12 steps or the 24 or the 48. That may be what God has for you. But you're not going to have any change if your thinking doesn't change somewhere in that process. Some of you think it's the book, it's the new job, it's the relationship. Some of us think if we had more of this or more of that, then you would all work out. No, it's all right here. Some of you think if you could just get somebody to lay hands on you or blow on you or sprinkle something on you, that everything, when this is why people hop around from church to church and revival to revival and movement to movement, is they're looking for something like that to change them when the key to their changing is right here. Right here. But if we could do that, we would have already done that, right? And that's why... Our mind has to be handed over to him, transformed, changed by the renewing of our mind. How many would agree with me by a show of hands and say that's easier said than done? (laughs) You got to give him your mind. Okay, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. I've tried. Take it, Lord, please. (laughs) So how do we give him our mind? I want to give you some some keys today that I think are going to be really good. Matter of fact, it's something I had never, in 30 years of ministry, had never seen this before. And when I get these kind of things, I kind of run through the house. And I'm like, Kristen, check, this is awesome. Run back to the back and I show, oh, this is crazy. She's like, that's awesome, baby. Here's some coffee. Okay, settle down. <laughs> I want to talk about how do we give him our mind. How many like to hear that? Yeah. Rest of y'all good? Y'all want to just go get chicken? You good? Brunt? It's too early for chicken. Brunch, Okay. How many would like to hear? I want to know how do I give him my mind. All right, here we go. Mark 12 and 30. They asked Jesus what was the greatest commandment. And Jesus said this. And this is in all the Gospels. You find this in, you find this in the Old Testament. You find this in the New Testament. Many times they say it a little differently, but it's the same context. So here we go. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your and with all of your strength. Now, I want you to understand this. The order is important. The order is important. When this scripture's listed, when it's quoted, the order's there, okay? The order is important. So, number one, start with a heart. A lot of us try to give him our talents, our abilities, our strengths, when we haven't given him our mind. And we haven't given him our soul because we haven't given him our heart. Start with the heart. The word heart means your passions, your desires, your craving. You want what you want. Mark 
Mark said it very clearly. Start with the heart. The things that you want, the things that you crave. Because look what Matthew says. Matthew chapter 6 and 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, what you crave is what your heart is going after. So if you crave fortune, if you crave fame, if you crave notoriety, if you, whatever it is that you crave, that's what your heart is going after. And then we follow the desires of our heart. How many of you would agree with me that if you desire it, you're going to get it? Come on, y'all. I ain't talking about what you need. I'm talking about what you want. And that's why we're so messed up. We go after what we want instead of what we need. The human will is so strong. If we want to go to the moon, we're going to the moon. Think about that. We went to the moon. That's crazy. We want to build pyramids? We're going to build pyramids. That's why the Bible says when at the, at the Tower of Babel, they said, we're going to build a tower to the heavens to make our name great. And the Bible says, God said, oh, 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 oh. if they make up their mind they're going to do it, they're going to do it. We got to go down and mess this thing up, all right? We gotta, because God knows if we want something, we're going to go after it. Good, bad, or ugly. So that is why he says, start right there. Give me your heart. Because if I can get what you want, then I've got the rest of you. That's why it's important to want more of him. That's why it's important to have an insatiable hunger for his word. That's why it's important that every time we have a moment to worship together as friends and and to, to give our all to him, we need to be there because that's what we're saying. I want you. I want to be where you are. I want to be a part of what you have going on. So start right there. Give your heart to God. And not just a part of it, all of it. Even the hidden places. I'm going to tell you two reasons why it's important that we give Him our heart. Number one, it is so deceitful. The scripture says in Jeremiah, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. And desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? No show of hands unless you just really want to have a testimony in your test, all right? But I want to ask those of you, how many of you have ever ended up in a terrible situation because you followed your heart? That craving, oh, I want that. I want them. I want this. I want to be there. This craving, and it's what you think about. It's what you go to bed thinking about. It's what you wake up thinking about. If I could just... uh, but it's so deceitful. It will lead you into paths that you don't need to go into. It will crush you. It will destroy you. You cannot trust your heart. That's why we have to give it over to God. Oh, I'm believing today. I'm believing today that there's going to be so many of you this morning that make a fresh start by giving God your heart. I'm ta- talking about just saying, God, I give you. I'm talking about all of it, taking it, the inner part, the pain you've hidden, the darkness you've hidden, the tragedy you've hidden, and you hand it over to him instead of hiding it. The reason we have to give him our heart is, first of all, it's deceitful. And secondly, because it's the source of everything you do. Proverbs 4 and 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from that. Your desires, 
Everything you do comes from that. Come on, anybody getting this today? The first thing formed in an embryo is the heart. The first organ formed is the heart. Not the brain, the heart. Why? Because everything flows from that. That's why it has to be given to God, because you and I can't guard it. But the Bible says in Philippians that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's why you want to give it to him. Give it over to him because everything flows from that and only good stuff flows from it when it's given over to God. So start with the heart. Secondly, give him your soul. The word soul means your inner self. It means who you really are. It means how God created you, your DNA, the fabric of you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Because here's the key. Once you give him your heart, your soul will follow. Your soul is like that sweet little dog. You know what I'm talking about? Where are we going? Where are we going? Your soul doesn't have strength. It doesn't have... And if your heart is going one way, here goes the soul, just right after. Now, the soul has gotten a bad rap. All right, I'm going to tell you right now. People say, well, that's your soul, tie. You're speaking from your soul. You got, to, you got to cut the soul off. You got to tell the soul no, all right? No, that is wrong, all right? God breathed into man, and man became a living soul. God put your soul in you. God called you to be what you're supposed to be. The problem is not the soul. The problem is the heart. If we can give our heart to him, then our soul will follow right along. I'm not a good preacher, but that's good preaching right there. Amen? Come on, look at your neighbor and say amen while I get a little sip of water. Come on, tell him. The soul, don't fight your soul. It's who you are. It's what God created you to be. Instead of fighting your soul and trying to contain your soul and trying to tether it and strap it down, Give God your heart, and you're going to watch your soul just begin to abound. And they're oh, just because once the desires are right, then the soul can be free to be what God created it to be. So give Him your heart, give Him your soul, and the next thing He says, you're going to love with all of your mind. A mind. Remember, this is what we started with. How do we get a mindset change? It starts by giving the heart, then the soul follows, and then the mind. Everybody say the mind. How many of you move by what you want more than by what you think about? See, that's why it starts right there. What we crave, what we crave. We try to change our thinking before we give him our heart. doesn't work that way. You got to start with the heart. Give that to him. Then the soul follows, and then there's the mind right here, the mind that you hand over to him. Here's what happens when you get a new mind. Number one, it changes your perception. Write that down. A new mindset changes your perception. That is how you see things. Instead of looking at the things the way you've always looked at them, you begin to see them with new perception. You're perceiving things. Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, if it's admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. An old mindset thinks through negativity and bitterness and anger, and selfishness. A new mindset says, I'm going to filter it through. Is this noble? Is this true? Is this right? 
A new mindset changes your uh, perception, but also a new mindset changes your perspective. Perception is how you see things. Perspective is from where you're seeing things. And the Bible says we are seated with him in heavenly places. Far above all principalities, power, might, and dominion, every name that is named or ever will be named. How many of y'all know that's a different perspective than down there in the middle of the fight looking up going, God, please help me. He's saying, come on up here, sit with me. Let's be seated and look at things from my perspective. That's what a new mindset change. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. Come on. And the reason that this perspective and perception is so important, I want you to hear this. And I put this in red in my notes because this is important, all right? This is so needed because what God is wanting to do in our life will probably not look anything like we thought it was going to look. See, I told you that was important. It's already resonating with y'all. Red for resonate, all right? It's important. So that's why he begins to change our mindset before he lets us enter into a new season. Otherwise, we step into a new season still considering and remembering the old and go, I hate this. This ain't what I'm used to. You make that face, you know? Right? So that's why he starts here, by changing us, making us new before we ever step into the new. And here's what I found. When I give him my mind, the number four follows along. Then I can love him with all of my strength. Your strength means your ability, your capability, your capacity, your potential, your power. Now, here's what I find in my life as a father, as a husband, as a pastor. Here's what I find. Most of us start opposite from where we're supposed to start. I'm, I'm going to have a new way of living. How are you going to do that? By changing what I do. I'm going to go to the gym more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to fast more. I'm going to get in the Bible more. I'm going I'm to hang around good people. See what that is? I'm working on my strength. I'm working on my ability, on my capacity, on my capability, on this. I'm trying to work on this. And how many of you fail every time you try that? One, two, three, four, five, six. How many fail every time you start right there? That's why the order is so important. Start with a heart. Give him your heart. Let everything that comes into your life be filtered through that. Your soul begins to follow that. And then give him your mind. And once you give him your mind, your actions are going to follow that. Look at your neighbor and say, before, everybody say, before, you can get your habits right, you got to get your head right. And before, you can get your head right, you got to get your heart right. And the enemy doesn't want that. That's why the enemy attacks those two things. He's not after your soul and your strength. He's after your heart and your mind. And that's why the Bible says the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. It doesn't say he'll guard your soul and your strength. It says he's going to guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Why? Because God knows if he can get our heart and get our mind, 
Then he's got our soul and he's got our strength. Let me pray over you today.